we're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. I am glad to see you. I'm glad to see you. Excellent. I'm glad to see everyone in the house of the Lord. Welcome to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt, and I always love to greet all the people in the house. Nobody should walk into a church and be ungreeted. I want to make sure that you are welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And that also goes for our people online. I want to greet you. I'm so glad that you're joining with us. Either you're watching this live or you found this some other way. You found it on YouTube, and we're glad that you're here as well. My name is Chris Fluitt, and let's get to it. That rhymed. I didn't mean for that to happen. But God wanted it to happen, so it did. All right. We are in the sixth week of our sermon series, and it's called Vibe. Vibe. Check. What is your vibe and what's all this about? Well, vibe is a person's emotional state felt by others, the tangible atmosphere created by the disposition of your beings. If I were to put that in real simple terms, it's what's inside of you that other people feel, right? So as Christians, we should have Jesus inside of us, we just should have some good things inside of us. And so then when we're out about in the world, everybody should feel those things. That's a vibe. And we're going to take a vibe check. As Christians, it's not enough to carry our beliefs inside of our church, inside of our heart, or just keep them at church. The love of God is meant to be shed abroad by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Romans 5, 5 says that. So the love that's in your heart doesn't say there the Holy Spirit that's the sound it makes. Our good works should flow out of our heart and people should see our good works and then glorify our Father in heaven. That's what Matthew 5, 16. So now it's not just a feeling and emotion in here. It comes out here in hard work. It comes out of here in, in tangible ways that people can see. The world needs to see Christianity like that. The world needs to see Christianity being lived out. They've seen it being professed. They need to see it being lived out. Somebody say amen if I'm all on the right track. All right. Thank you so much. The worst vibes, help me. The worst vibes come from the flesh. The flesh. One more time, everybody. The worst vibes come from the flesh. And we, we can read about that in Galatians 5. But we can also read about this. The best vibes come from the spirit. spirit. Very good. And we've got Galatians 5.22. It lists the, the vibes of the spirit, the, the fruit of the spirit. We'll read it again together. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. All right. So... We have the fruit of the Spirit, and there are nine of them, all right? And we can, we can divvy these up into three sections. We've covered love, joy, and peace, and that is what's meant to reside in your heart. That is you towards you. That's that relationship right there in your heart. And that's the well which you, you pull out everything and you, you serve water to others. Love, joy, and peace. And then we've got... Uh, relationships in this middle section, and that is patience, kindness, and goodness. If you've got those things activated in your life, then your relationships, person to person, are going to be fruitful. They're going to have the best kind of vibes. The best kind of friend is patient, kind, and good. Moving on, and then we've got battles 
that are fought with faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, in the kingdom of God, you fight battles completely different. We've discussed love, joy, and peace, the vibes that reside in your heart. Last week, Marshall preached a great message. Can we hear it? Get it for... Thank you, Marshall. AG2G. You know, I know he's going to say it. We love to compliment you, and we love to have you receive all glory to God. He always gives all glory to God immediately. Last week, Marshall preached a great message on faithfulness and how to respond when you think Jesus is failing the vibe check. If you missed that, you got to go check that out on our website, redemptionplano.com. Today, I want to talk to you about the very exciting vibe of patience. Now, two things. I want to thank you for two things. Thank you for not grabbing your purses and leaving right now, grabbing all your stuff. He's preaching on patience. I'm getting out of here. And also, thank you for missing the cowboy game to be at church. Wait, that's awesome. That's good. Right? I'm sure, I'm sure God's going to bless them with a win today. All right. If you're patient about it. Patience is not usually our favorite word. It's not usually our favorite subject. Nobody came to church going today. Man, I hope today he's preaching on patience. I don't think it happened, right? Let's be honest. Who here is willing to admit that they sometimes have trouble with patience? Is that an every hand up thing? Yeah, every hand is like up. You are, so let me tell you, you're not the only one. So this is not a beat you up session about a problem with patience. That's not what this is about, all right? Patience is a vibe of the spirit. The God that is working in you desires to bring patience into your thoughts. He wants to drag it right into all your thoughts. Wants to drag it right into your words that are coming out of your mouth are full of patience and that your actions would be filled with patience. Here's something you got to remind yourself every once in a while, church. Here it is. How you treat people matters. How you treat people reveals your vibe. How you treat others reveals the health of your relationship with God. Pause. It's not in my message, but listen. That's why we have to be very patient with one another. Because the person might not just be... It might not be that they just hate you and that they're trying to be the biggest jerk to you. The problem might be that they've got issues of the heart that God is working on. And when you look at them through those lenses, you aren't full of judgment, but full of mercy. That's when you begin to not hit them with with your Bible, but to have a Bible study with them and to pray for them, not to speak nasty words at them, but to speak beautiful words about them to your Father in heaven. Now that's not going to get very many amens, but that is supposed to be the life of every Christian. Every Christian. Let's jump right to a wonderful scripture about patience. James chapter 5, verse 7. PA back there at one time could quote... All of James. I'm still blown away by that. She knows this one. James chapter 5 verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Verse 9, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. What a beautiful verse, a passage of scriptures from the Bible. 
Here is our definition of patience. We'll be coming back to that verse over and over in this sermon. But I want to tell you how to think about patience today. This is how I want you to think about it. Patience is the perspective. It's a perspective of grace and faith that enables us to suffer hardship and endure injustice while trusting that God will make all things right. It's a perspective. It's not just the, what, what's, you know, some things, uh, there are things that can be true, but you don't have the right perspective on it. This is how we're supposed to see life. This is how you're supposed to see you're working really hard, but you still haven't gotten the promotion. You've been praying for God to send you the person, but you're still single. This is, you're, you're praying for revival, but you're not seeing it yet. This is your perspective on that. People are treating you poorly and you've talked to God about it. How are you supposed to see things like this? How are you supposed to look at this? Through the lens of patience. Through the perspective of patience. It's the perspective of two things. Grace and faith. That enables us to suffer hardship and endure injustice. While trusting that God will make all things right. Simply put, patience is waiting. Patience is waiting. I am able to wait. To wait for what? To wait for God's best. Sure, I could just get something anywhere. I could, you know, get anything from any location right now. But you know what? Instead, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for God's best. What if they would have had patience in the Garden of Eden? What if instead of listening to a Satan's little little trick about, about a, a piece of fruit, what if they would have said, you know what? God's really good. and I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to wait for God's best. I am able to wait. Here's the other one. <laughs> oh, you can wait for God's best. Here's the other the next one. No, here it is. Wait for others to progress in God. You got to learn to wait for others to progress in God. So there's a lot of waiting for God, and then there's a lot of waiting for others. And that's what patience is. You, wanna, you, want, you want to be loving? It requires patience. Love is? Love is kind. Love, yeah, that's where it starts. Love is patient. I've told you all so many times. I've told you. One, one day, I just, I was really, I just lost it. I lost it with the kids. I was so angry. And I just said, oh, God, you, you know, it's okay. God, you understand. I just have a patience problem. And the Lord, the Lord, as soon as I'm standing here, spoke right to my heart and said, no, you have a love problem. Uh, uh. I'm like, oh, Lord, forgive me. I just repent of that. No, yeah. I, well, gosh, because if you want to be loving, you need to be patient. You want to be like God? There aren't enough songs about God's patience. Patience surely describes our God. His patience towards me. His patience towards you. His patience towards the world. His patience towards his people. His patience towards those that are his people but say, I'm not your people. He's still patient with those people. In the 15th century, Japan... There is a legend of a shogun warrior. And he has a broken bowl. Evidently, the bowl meant something great to the shogun. And he refused to throw this broken bowl out. Even though he couldn't use it, it wouldn't hold food. Your cereal would just pour right out of the thing. Japan was big on post-toasties right there. And they just would pour right out of there. It, although it was broken and useless, it meant so much to the Shogun warrior. He refused to throw it out. Instead, he sought a craftsman to fix the bowl. Right here is a picture, not of that bowl, but of a bowl like it. I want to talk to you very quickly about kintsugi. Somebody say kintsugi. It means gold fixing. Somebody say kintsugi. Say gold fixing. So the craftsman, he took this broken bowl 
and he put a golden color within adhesive. Normally, adhesive just turned black or gray or some unsightly color. color. But instead, he invested in the adhesive and he made it turn a beautiful golden color. And he used that adhesive to piece together the bowl. And then he took a lacquer and he resealed the bowl. So now it could be used. It would hold together, but it also could be used for food. Again, what did the craftsman do? Instead of fixing all the flaws and imperfections, he embraced all the flaws and imperfections. And by embracing the flaws and imperfection in what had been broken, the craftsman created a more beautiful piece of art. Now this bowl had a story. Now this bowl had a beauty in it that it didn't have before. What a legend. I've heard another legend. Legend has it that God loves broken Legend has it that he refuses to throw them out. And he seeks to create beauty within them. Restoration within them. And renew purpose within them. Somebody say kintsugi. Gold fixing. God, if you allow God the craftsman to work, he will take your broken pieces. He will take your mistakes. He will take your flaws. He will take the times you lost your temper. He will take the times you lied. He will take the times you weren't strong enough to say no to drugs. He he will take all of these issues in your life. He will take them and he will cover them in grace. He will infuse them with his gold, his beauty. He will infuse them with the power of Of his spirit. And he will make you whole and new all over again. God the craftsman is patient. He's so patient. God is graceful and he's faithful. And that's what we told you the perspective of patience is. It's the perspective of grace and faithfulness. Oh, the shogun warrior He was faithful to that bowl, that broken bowl, faithful to it. And he was also graceful to it. He refused to throw it out. He he sought to work at it. Some of the people in the church that you think have a beautiful walk with God, y'all listen. Some of those people you think about, wow, that person, Charles just has a beautiful walk with God. You think that? You think those other people, you think, wow, what an attractive life Rick Nolan has. Look at that beautiful family he's got. That is an attractive life he has. He is so blessed. And then he, then he walks up there after showing off this beautiful family and grabs that guitar. And you're like, what? People in the church that have this healthy family and, and they're, they're blessed. And it's like... There there are people that are so blessed that when their car breaks, they actually just get it fixed. It's amazing. It's it's that happens. It really happens. And you 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 stand at them sometimes and you think you you if you're not careful, you get a little envious. You'll go, God, why can't I have that? Look at all of that. Look what they're able to do. That's amazing. Why can't I have that? I want to tell you, look a little closer. The gold that you see used to be cracks. The strength you see used to be weakness. Here is what's so attractive and beautiful in that life. Patience. They just patiently kept working at it. They patiently kept failing, but starting again. I know, Rick. Rick patiently messed up that skill and started over. And he started slow, and then he sped it up. Over and over again. And then he went, well. You know what's so beautiful about that life? It's patient time in an altar. 
where some people are like, ah, oh, we're done with the sermon. When are we getting out of here? No, somebody goes, I need to talk to God. And patiently, you've seen those people. They come week after week after week. You know what? Listen, there are some people that come to this altar week after week, not because their life is falling apart, but because they are patiently seeking the will of God in their life. How about this day after day in the word of God? Patiently, that'll be out some gold in some lives. Repeated moments of repentance. That's the beauty that you're looking right past. <laughs> the beauty of repentance. Is anybody thankful for the beauty of repentance? A God who refused to throw them away. That's what's so beautiful. And a child of God who patiently waited on God to work. I want you to turn back to our scripture in James chapter 5. There are some things to learn straight from the text. Here's the first thing I want you to learn. Patience waits for what is valuable. Can you say that out loud? Patience waits for what is valuable. Now look at James chapter 5 verse 7. I mean, if it doesn't say it, I just don't know what to say. It absolutely says it. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. The, the farmer waits for what? The valuable crop. Don't forget, it can be so painful to wait, but don't forget that what you are waiting on is something that is valuable. You are not waiting on something that is not valuable. You're not waiting on something that's a hunk of junk. You're not waiting on something that's a piece of trash that no one wants. It's not a hand-me-down that no longer fits. No, it is top of the line. It is the most valuable thing ever. It is Jesus Christ himself. It's so valuable. Then Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it tells us this. You've heard this verse. Here's where it is, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. People give up when they are tired and when they lose sight of the value. If you feel like the hard work just isn't paying off, you might quit. If you're just a little tired of it, you might quit. If you can't see the results, if you don't realize the value of what you're doing, chances are that you'll quit. Is that, is that you right now? Is someone about to quit? I want you to look again at the value. Look again at the value in your marriage. Don't quit. I know you're tired of things. I know you're tired. But don't you quit studying in school and trying to get better. Don't quit being a good employee. Because if you will not give up, if you will not become weary in doing good, at the proper time, you will reap something valuable. You'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. And people also give up in one other way. They give up when they want to hurry up the process. They give up when they want to take a shortcut. You know, I don't have to do it that way. I'll go this way. Man, this isn't in my notes, but here it is. Uh, there was a time in my life I almost walked a complete different direction in life. If God hadn't spoken to me, I was going to go somewhere I was not supposed to go in ministry. The Lord said, nope. And I said, what? But he said, no. And you know what? Here is when I looked at it, once he told me no, here's what I realized. The, real, the reason I wanted to go this direction in ministry is because it would have been easier. It would have been a shortcut. It would have been instant. I could have dropped out of college where I was afraid I was going to fail because college was really hard where I was studying. What I was studying was the hardest thing I'd ever done. And I thought, oh God, maybe God, if you could deliver me from this failure I'm about to have and go have life on easy street, I would have done it in a second. But I had asked God to open up the door at this school. And since when do you ever want to look back on your life and say, yeah, it was scary, so I quit. 
Let's not be that way. Let's not be that way. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to me. Thank you, Lord, for the times you told me no. Valuable things in life, they take time to harvest. Anybody know what a bamboo tree looks like? You got a picture of a bamboo tree? If Let's say you want to harvest bamboo. So that first year, you plant some bamboo. And you know how much they'll grow? Like nothing. Like basically zero. Like you'll look at it and go, ha, what have I done? I'm a failure. I'll, go, I'll try it another year. So year two. And you know what? They've grown mere inches. Basically zip. Nothing. Now you've poured two years into this plant that is just laughing at you. Year three, no growth, none, nada. Year four looks like it's an absolute failure. I mean, it's just a little little thing. It's nothing. You're not going to harvest that. What are you going to make? Toothpicks? But year five, in one week, that bamboo tree will grow 90 feet in a week's time. It will grow 90 feet. What am I telling you? I'm telling you, don't give up on the bamboo tree in year four. Some of you, you're, you're tempted to give up. Don't give up because we serve a suddenly God. Somebody say suddenly. suddenly. Oh, man. When you read through your Bible, you, you pay really close attention to the word suddenly at the birth of the church the first words there and suddenly there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind we serve a suddenly God if you have been patiently waiting on God do not quit because when you least expect it God can suddenly move God can suddenly bring it to pass and guess what when God suddenly does something you do not want to miss it you want a front row seat to that. You're going to want to go, look at what my God has done. We serve a suddenly God. Somebody say suddenly. Suddenly God. Oh, patience waits for what's valuable. That's number two. Patience waits for the Lord to make things right. That's number two. Patience waits for the Lord to make things right. Do not repay evil for evil, Romans 12, 17 says. Vengeance is yours if you really are mad enough. No, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, Deuteronomy 32 and 35. Both these verses are, are hindering you. They, they are stopping you. They're telling you, do not try to make this right yourself. Instead, patiently wait for the Lord to make it right. We don't strike back. We turn the other cheek, Jesus says. We will wait for God to make things right. First Peter chapter 3, verse 22. I have it in the message here. It says, Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone. That's so good. I think I'll read it again. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone from angels to armies, he's standing right alongside God, and what he says goes. Whatever you are going through right now, I want you to develop this phrase in it. Jesus, you have the last word on that. That person that's hurt you, Jesus, you have the last word on that. That bill that you don't think you can pay, you say, Jesus, you have the last word on that. That doctor's report that you don't know what you're going to do about, here's what you do about it. You say, Jesus, you have the last word on everything and everyone, from angels to armies. I want to tell you, you, you do not need to get defensive when the Lord is your defender. That one's for me. You can use it if you want. But that one's for me, Cleo. There is no need to get defensive. You know how you feel when you get defensive? There's no need to get defensive if God's your defender. You only need to get defensive if you think you need to defend yourself. You see that? So anytime you feel like you're getting defensive, 
you, you remember, you're, to, you're supposed to patiently wait on the Lord to make this right. And he is the one that goes before you. His rod and staff are, behind you, are beside you. And goodness and mercy follow after you. You're completely surrounded by the Lord who is your defense. No need to get defensive. God is my defender. James chapter 5 verse 8. Going back to our verse here. Verse 8, it says, you too be patient and stand firm. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. Jesus is coming back. And I want you to know that when he comes back, he has the last word on everything and everyone. The Lord will return and he will make everything right. I'm telling you, if you go to your grave, you can be sure of this. Although you didn't see it made right in your life. If you, if you passed away and didn't see it, the Lord will return one day and everything will be made right. We wait for it. Patience waits for what is valuable and patience waits for the Lord to make things right. Third, patience does not grumble. Everybody make grumble sounds in a grumble, grumble, My favorite grumbler is Yosemite Sam. He's like, what in tarnation? It's like, it's Looney Tunes. He like has this wonderful fake cursing kind of thing going on. It's great. He's got this just grumble under his voice, vo- vo- uh, just low voice grumble. Like we grumble, don't we? I want to tell you patience does not grumble. If you are grumbling, that's not patience. That's something else. It is not graceful and it is not faithful to grumble as you wait. Do you know what a grumble is? Here's another way to say it. it's a murmur. It's just this, it's this little passive aggressive little thing that's under your voice. It's like, well, yeah, it's easy for you to say. But you're like, what was that? And you're like, oh, I was just talking about the weather. It's beautiful outside. A Christian author in the 1600s gives us some ideas on on murmurings, grumbling groans of the flesh. Thomas Manton in the 1600s, he says there are four types of groans. Here they are. You've got a complaint groan. You've got a distrust groan. You've got a vindictive groan. And you've got a envious groan. There's all kinds of groans and those are all kind of different aren't they they're these groans here's what none of those are none of them are faithful none of them are graceful there are grumbling groans that come from the flesh and these are bad vibes real quick look at a complaint groans that's complaint that's not full of joy that's not full of happiness that's not full of any of the vibes of the spirit none of us like to be around complainers we are around complainers sometimes like oh there they go again they're complaining and you start grumbling because they're grumbling grumbling begets grumbling it just spreads you've seen that in person right you've seen one person in the office goes well have you ever noticed that they're always leaving right at lunchtime and they're taking an extra 30 minutes and i've never noticed and then next thing you're like Everybody else is like, did you know? And by, by the end, everyone knows but the person. And they were going to a, a homeless shelter to feed someone during it. But, you know, that's, no one knows that part. Complaint. Or they were going to Chili's. Complaint. That, that kind of groaning. But then there's distrust. What is that? That's not faithful at all. I don't trust them at all. You know about them. I heard about so-and-so. Oh, that Teresa. You just can't trust that Teresa. Oh, just grumbling around. But people get that way about God and we get that way about each other. And that's not faithful. That's not full of faith. How about this one? Vindictive. That's where your, that's where your revenge comes in. Oh, and I get the moment. Rabbit, I'll get you. That's, you know, Sam and Sam talking again. I'll get you, rabbit. We got this little revenge groan in us. And then last, we got that envious groan. That's just that groan that's not happy at all with what you have. And you're just looking at what other people have. And you're just like, Oh, gosh, if I only had these things. These grumbling groans, they come from the flesh. These are bad vibes, man. The world will tell you this is bad vibes. Nobody wants these vibes. Let's get rid of those vibes. 
Don't let those vibes in your home. Don't let those vibes in your conversation. Change the subject. Start blessing things. Talk about blessed things instead of complaining things, envious things. James chapter 5 verse 9. It's the next verse in our, in our scripture we've been looking at. Verse, verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge standing at the door. Remember, the Lord's coming to make things right. And your grumbling's one of those things that's not right. Get rid of that grumbling. Get rid of it. Instead, turn your grumblings into prayer. Turn your grumblings into the Spirit. And it, when you turn your grumblings towards God, God's Holy Spirit will produce another kind of groan. Yep, we're going there. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Anybody ever been there? Hold the phone. Anybody ever know not how to pray? We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself, God's own Spirit Himself intercedes through us. Not around us, not on the person next door, not on a pastor somewhere else, through us. That's through you. Wordless groans. What what is this? The Spirit himself will intercede through us through wordless groans. Verse 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You don't know how to pray? God knows how to pray. (laughs) And His Spirit will work inside of you in how to pray. And you'll be like, I don't even know what God's will is. Listen to the word of the Spirit because it knows the will of God. You see this in this verse? It's very clear. I also want you to get this. There is a place where there are no words for the agony you feel. Have you ever been in that place? I just don't even know what to say. I've been, there's been times I've tried to pray to God and I don't even know what to tell him. I'm in such anguish. There is a place where you cannot adequately describe to God how you feel. And there are situations where you aren't even sure how to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I want you to understand this. We are not groaning or grumbling at God. You're not doing the Yosemite, Sam. You're not complaining. You're not distrusting. You're not seeking revenge. You're not envious. But we are groaning our pain, our confusion, and our overwhelmed heart to God. Not at God, to God. We're lifting up that pain that nobody knows about. And every person you've tried to tell about it, they don't seem to understand it. But God, you know about it. This confusion, God, I've made this mistake in my life and I... I thought it was the right thing to do, but now I'm not so sure. God, I'm lifting that up to you. And what are you doing it with? You're doing it with, it's it's what it says, a wordless groaning. There is a place where a kindergarten prayer won't cut it. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray to the Lord my soul. There's a place where that just doesn't work. If you are going through a hellacious thing and you're, you're bringing in that kind of prayer, it's not going to cut it. You've got to go deeper. You've got to go further. And you need the things of the Spirit. You need the things that are in the Word of God. You don't need a tradition, well, my grandmother taught me to pray this way. That is great. I'm so glad for your grandmother. But you might need to go deeper than the level grandma brought you when you were five years old. Maybe you got to go deeper than those things. There is a deep place in the spirit 
And it actually goes beyond words. It is biblical to go to these places. I'm telling you really quick, this is a place where some people in this very room might not be comfortable with. I love you and I'm not throwing cold water on you. But I'm going to tell you these things and I tell you them unapologetically. Here it is. Speaking in tongues is biblical. It's a deep place in the spirit. It's a deep place in the spirit. But what are you saying? The spirit knows. Verse 27. The spirit knows. We don't know. But the spirit gives intercession. There have been times I didn't know how to pray. But the spirit knew how to pray. And I felt power moving in me as I prayed. And I'm so thankful for that. That is something that can only take place with the spirit. Oh, child of God with the spirit. Activate that spirit. Live in that spirit. Have the vibe of the spirit, not just be in here, but let it come out of the words you say. Let it come out in your worship. Let it come out in every way. Let it be the cologne, the perfume of your life that fills the room. It is biblical to speak in tongues. And if you have any questions about that, please talk to me. I'll be glad to talk to you about that. Yes, some people abuse it, but do not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Some people are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but this is the word of God. And it is not cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It's the truth. And then these wordless groans, it is biblical to give up on words sometimes. Just groan before God. There's a place of intercession that is powerful. And it's a place where the Spirit knows, and now you aren't operating on your knowing, you're operating on faith. <laughs> There's been times I'm praying, I don't even know what, what's happening, but I'm just surrendering to God. That's what I know what's happening. There's been places where all I knew to do, Charles, was just to say the name of Jesus as passionately as I could. I just got all by myself and I just said, Jesus! And I felt His Spirit. I felt His presence move into my life. And I just... It's, oh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know. But God, if you don't move in my life, what will I do? So I will wait for you to move right now. Are we patiently praying? What is the vibe of your prayer life? Listen, if you, if you have a prayer life that just repeats something you learned, I'm glad you've got that. But child of God, it's time to go deeper. It's time to go deeper into the things of the Spirit. It's time to activate the faith and the word that has been deposited in you. And it needs to come out. It needs to come out in your prayer life. It needs to come out in your worship. It needs to come out in our connect groups. It needs to come out. When all hell is breaking loose, you ought to give the devil just a just a dose of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost ought to come out on you so strong that it sends every devil in a hundred miles radius just running from you. Are we patiently praying? Are we praying patiently? Are we praying at all? Are we praying patiently? What's the vibe of your prayer life? Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to go deeper? I want to remind you patience is the perspective of grace and faith. Remember, grace is what you don't deserve. And faith, that is huh, that is not knowing everything, but trusting everything to God. That enables us to do what? To suffer hardship. It is powerful to suffer hardship. It's powerful to go through hardship and then come out on the other side. It's a powerful thing. And endure injustice. We have a world right now that's really focused on injustice. There's a lot of injustice. And we, we need to stand against injustice. But I want to tell you that your faith in Jesus Christ can stand through injustice. In a world where everybody goes, why is there injustice? I'm going to stop believing in God. That is the wrong thing to do. Be patient and stand through injustice. And stand through others that are in that injustice while trusting that God will make it, make all things right. 
Do you believe Jesus Christ will make all things right? Right now in this place, will you bow your heads right now? God, I believe you're going to make it right. God, I believe you're going to make it right. Can you tell the Lord that? God, I believe you. I believe that you're going to make it right. I believe that you've not quit. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in Jesus' name. Look at me now. We're going to be getting ready to come to this altar. But I, I want to very quickly tell you that we have wonderful biblical examples of patience. They were also in our scripture reading. Verse 10, James 5. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Wow, well, there's a mindset. We count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord's full of compassion and mercy. The prophets, all those prophets in the Old Testament, those wonderful major and minor prophets. We're talking Elijah and Elisha. We're talking Isaiah. We're talking Jeremiah. Jeremiah is thrown into a dungeon that's filled with like mud. He's like right here. He's about to die. And he is still prophesying. <laughs> he's still the speaking the truth of God. We got Daniel who's in a foreign land. He's in a in a lion's den, but he still prays to the Lord three times a day. We've got all these wonderful prophets. There are examples. They spoke the name of the Lord, yet in their lifetime, they never saw Jesus walk on earth. They spoke about a Messiah that they never saw in the flesh. What wonderful patience. Job, oh, Job persevered. You ever get bad news? Job got bad news, bad news, bad news. And then it got really bad. His friends showed up. That story's trippy. It's what's worse than going through stuff, going through stuff with friends like that. They were terrible, those friends. Job persevered, but what did he end up seeing? He ended up seeing the blessing of God. He ended up seeing what the Lord finally brought about. Here is the common thread between these prophets and Job. Here it is. Both the prophets and Job believed the Messiah was coming. Those the, the major prophet, prophecy of those prophets was that Christ would come. For unto us a child is born. That uh, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He was wounded for our transgressions. O Bethlehem, though you be small, one, one great is going to be born in you whose goings forth are from everlasting to everlasting. What, what are these? They're all prophecies about a Messiah that's going to come. What did Job prophesy? He prophesied, in my flesh, I will see God. He says, I know my Redeemer lives. His Redeemer hadn't even been born yet. And he knew my Redeemer lives. That's the common thread. They all believed that the Lord was going to come and make things right. Now, church, do we believe in the return of our Messiah? Do we, do we believe that this Jesus Christ is going to come back? And when he does, he's going to make all things right. Somebody say vibe check. Remember, patience waits for what's valuable. Is that your vibe? Is that you? patience waits for the Lord to make things right. Is that your vibe? Is that you today? Patience does not grumble at God, but goes deeper in the spirit in prayer. Is that your vibe? As we come and pray today, I want you to picture that Kintsugi gold fixing method. I want you to picture something about this bowl. I want you to picture something that's supposed to be behind it. There it is. As we come and pray today, I need you to picture one of two things about this bowl. Some of us need to work at viewing ourselves in this bowl. Some of us always see our cracks. 
and you don't see the gold of God's patience with you through all those cracks. I want to tell you that every one of your failures only reveals a greater Every one of your failures only reveals a God who won't give up even when stuff like that happens. Scripture, there's a song I used to hear growing up would send every young person to the altar and say these words. It says, there's bigger sins than that. Whenever you feel bad about what you've done and your sins, you, I'm not telling you to not feel bad about your sins, but you ought to feel that much greater about the blood of Jesus and the love of Jesus that covers a multitude of sins. If your sins are bad, His, His grace is that much bad. Because where sin abounds, somebody help a God preach. Because where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. His grace jumps further than your sin. His grace can lift anything more than your sin. His grace, His blood, His love, it's all greater. View yourself as that artwork of a patient craftsman. And then lastly, some of us need to view, we need, we need to work at viewing others as this And any cracks that are in their life, we need to be praying that God's goal God would put them back together, that they would know that their mistakes don't keep them from God's purpose and plan for their life. That even though they've done bad for you, the greatest thing that could happen is that you regain a brother and sister and God would reconcile. You know what that's going to take? Patience. Let, you, let that patience you have be some of the gold that goes into someone else's heart. View yourself as this. View someone else as these altars are For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us.